Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today, we're going to be learning about your earth healing archetype with our friend, Asia Suler. We're so delighted to welcome back to the show. But first, let me just remind you a little bit about who she is and the amazing work she's doing. Asia Suler is a writer, teacher, and ecological philosopher who lives in the folds of the Blue Ridge Mountains. She is the creator and concatress of One Willow Apothecaries, an Appalachian-grown company that offers handcrafted herbal medicines and online education. Asia's work, which is a unique combination of herbalism, animism, Taoist stone medicine, ancestral healing, and earth-centered mysticism, is rooted in the belief that self-compassion is a force of ecological healing. And her wonderful, amazing, fantastic forthcoming book on nature writing will be available through North Atlantic Books in 2022. I've had the privilege of reading some of it, Asia, and it is such a beautiful piece of art, and I can't wait to share it with other readers and listeners. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Samantha. I'm so excited to be here. We're happy to have you here. So I think I was on Facebook or Instagram, and I kept seeing people posting about this earth healing archetype quiz that was going viral. And when I finally clicked it, I was like, that's my friend Asia. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to create this quiz? Yeah. So I've been in practice now about 10 years. So I've seen a lot of people through my client practice. And then when I started teaching both in person and online, you know, I've had especially in the online realm, like 10,000 students flow through the door. And so I've seen and experienced a lot of different types of people. And I started to notice that there were common themes. And when I work with people, what we're really working on, whether it's in a class or a session, is really tapping into and understanding what are your unique gifts? You know, what are you here to bring to the earth? And you know, bring to this time. And so I started noticing that although everyone's specific gifts are completely unique to them, that there were kind of these, these general archetypes that I was seeing over and over again in my practice over and over again in my classes that really helped me understand when someone walked in the door and I started talking to them when I could place them in that archetype I, it was like a light bulb went off and I'm like, oh, I can understand now um, how I can help you see your gifts and how uh, you can really utilize your sort of natural innate personality and way of moving through the world to give those gifts to the earth. So there are five earth healing archetypes that I have seen over and over again. And then what was really interesting is I had kind of figured this out for myself and was using it just personally in my own practice. And then when I started studying the five spirits in Taoist medicine, I realized that they aligned pretty perfectly. And so once I started studying the five spirits, it deepened my understanding of these five archetypes. And I really began to see that this isn't just like some weird system I made up (laughs) in my brain, that there's, there's some sort of earthen universal truth to this, that there's a reason why the ancients saw these five different types or varieties of people, which can also be typified in the five elements. The five elements are aligned with the five earth healing archetypes and the five spirits. So I, I realized that, oh, this is actually, this is something universal. And so I kind of put together all this information and 
kind of clarified what it was that I was picking up on and seeing over and over again with folks and ended up creating a series of classes, one for each archetype that people can access through taking the quiz and figuring out what their archetype is. Wow. That is fantastic. I love to see the overlap of the way all of this seems to connect and work together. So do all of the archetypes correspond to earth, air, fire, water, spirit? They do. So, so in the, um, in five element Taoist medicine, the five elements are fire, wood, earth, and water. So the five earth healing archetypes and the five spirits align with those five elements. Okay. So I took the quiz, Denise, you took it too, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So do you want to share what you were and then I'll share what I am? Sure. I'm so curious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was vein of gold, Mm. which when I read your description was absolutely so spot on. It was frightening. And it's interesting (laughs) because my, my dear, dear, dear friend, Amy said, oh, you have to do this quiz. And she sent it to me and I did the quiz and I got one thing. She says, nope, do it again. That's not you. And I did. And then it came up vein of gold and she was like, oh my God, it's almost creepy how spot on you are with this shit. I'm just going to be blunt (laughs) with that. Cause, but then I watched some of your other videos on the site about how, you know, this is, this is our purpose right now is to align with this energy so that we can help heal the earth. And that so, so, so spoke to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing is just like all five elements or all five spirits um, in, in Taoist medicine, the five spirits are kind of like the Taoist version of the chakra system. Um, we have all five of them inside of us, right? Like we, we are all these archetypes, but there's one that tends to tends to stand out and it kind of gives the flavor for our gifts, like the method through which we give our gifts. So I'm, I'm glad that you, took the quiz again and found the one that is really resonating with you because yeah, it does. When we find that it it speaks to us in a way that I just find really profound. And was incredibly validating. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully validating. That's the feedback I've gotten from a lot of people is like, wow, this is so validating. You know, my whole life I felt this way and it, you know, whatever it was, it, it didn't seem to fit in, or I was told it was a hindrance rather than a help. And the reality is that it is a gift and it's here to help you really translate the gifts that you naturally bring to this planet to help the earth heal. And so that's why I call them the earth healing archetypes, because I do believe we are all here as souls to help this process of healing that the earth is in and that humanity is very much in the midst of. And yeah, these archetypes help us to see and understand those gifts. I was the visionary dreamer, the planner. <laughs> the old growth tree. The old growth tree. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I really see that for you. I was, before I got on the call, I was kind of thinking, I was wondering if I could guess <laughs> your archetypes. And I, I thought about that one for you. Um, yeah, I've, I am an old growth tree too. So I, I know a lot about that and I'm curious, Samantha, when you got that, did it resonate with you? What did you feel about it? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I read it and it said, you know, you're here to be a bridge between the two worlds. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I've always wanted to do and what I have felt my work is. And even the way you worded the questions, 
I resonated strongly with one phrase on each question. You know, sometimes I take these quizzes online and I'm like, well, I don't know. I could be A or C. Yeah. But with this one, every single question, I was like, oh, it's only that one. <laughs> well, you know what I did that I think really helped because I've heard that from other people is I, when I made these classes, I had very specific people in my head that I was talking to, like people in my life or in my work who I know, like typify those archetypes. So when I made the quiz, I just was like, you know, what, what would this person say? What would their answer be? Uh, and that's that's how I formulated the quiz. So, you know, gratitude to those people. I don't know if they know who they are, but <laughs> they really helped me with that, you know, because as I was speaking directly to them, you know, what would, you know, this friend of mine say who is a vein of gold, for example. And I think that that really helped guide the quiz and, and make it really resonate in that way, like you were you were talking about. And I know that people have taken it and Sometimes they get one or the other, but you you kind of know when you get the one that's really dead on for you, and um, you know, kind of it resonates in your being in in a certain way, and that's all that really matters, right? That you that you get something, you get a result that just it opens up something for you, some understanding. And I I know for me as an old growth tree, the old growth tree archetype, like I mentioned, it's meant to be a bridge between heaven and earth. But what's fascinating, I think, about this archetype is the ability to plan and strategize. And this was something I did not understand about myself earlier in my life. And this is common for old growth tree people because they sometimes think they're either a rainbow or a standing stone. So those are two other archetypes because they're meant to kind of be a bridge between those two. And so often earlier in life, you can think that you're a rainbow, that you're, you know, just kind of really meant to be totally up in the the ethers, or maybe you grew up in a family where that wasn't okay and that wasn't acceptable. So you really try to like get into the, your earthy standing stone self, take care of the practical details of life. But the reality is that you're you're somewhere in between. And so you have this ability to both you know, kind of have these big dreams and connect into the upper world, but then you can translate those realities here on earth and know how to know how to do the tangible stuff like work with technology or, you know, plant a garden, things like that. And I think um, coming home to that in myself that I'm like, oh, I'm, I am both of those things as an old growth tree. And part of my strength is in knowing how to balance that through planning and strategy. And there's something about the words planning and strategy that does not sound like fun or spiritual, but it really does help you get stuff done, which is, you know, part of that archetype of the old growth tree. Yeah. And you're absolutely right that in my twenties and maybe most of my thirties, I wouldn't have described myself that way as a planner or a strateger, but looking back, that's who I am, but I prefer being the rainbow up in the oh, ethers. Yeah. That's where I'm happiest. <laughs> but if I want to get all my great ideas done, I've got to hunker down and you know do the work. And it's yep. it takes it takes a lot of time to realize that. My daughters were saying last night. They said, you know, I work best under deadlines. Like if I have a paper due Monday, I'm actually better, mom, if I start it Sunday at 10 p.m. And I said to them, okay, girls. That's who I thought I was in high school too, until I looked back at my papers and found all my grammar mistakes and you know misconglomerated thesis statements. And then I realized, oh, I don't work best under pressure. I work best when I buckle down and do the work strategically. 
And so in college, I started doing that. um, But I didn't, I wouldn't have described myself that way for a long, long time. And so this description you gave of the visionary old growth tree is so perfect because while we like to be up high and away from the heavy density of the world, sometimes we are the ones that have to really plan and, and give roots to our dreams and goals. So can, can you walk us through the other four archetypes, starting with Denise's vein of gold, just briefly? Sure. So if it, if actually, if it's okay, I might start with the the wellspring because then we're sort of, we're, it's a continuum and we're kind of moving our way through it. So in the the five spirit system, each spirit sort of corresponds to actually like a, a place on earth. So the the wellspring archetype would correspond to sort of like the deep watery underground caves on earth. And this archetype, the people who have this archetype, their whole purpose here on earth or the way in which they give their, their most profound gifts is literally just through being. And I kind of envy them in this way, but the wellspring people here on earth, they tend to move slowly. They might be considered late bloomers in our overachieving culture, but what it really is, is that they're learning how to cultivate their presence. So these are like the sitting Buddha types of the world. They walk into a room and everyone feels better just because they're there. So the people who I know in my life who are wellsprings, it's taken a while for them to realize this about themselves because what they perceived often was that they weren't moving fast enough or they weren't you know, goal-oriented enough, but that is not true at all. In fact, you know, they are, they are really here to actually kind of hold the space for everybody else. So the people in my life who've really realized this about themselves, they, they harness it. They go into grocery stores and smile at people and it like lights up people's whole day. So wellspring people are literally like the roots holding everything together. And they, the only thing that they have to do in order to do that is literally just be themselves and emanate that presence. So those are wellspring people. And then we take sort of one step up in the landscape and we get to more of the the mineral realm. So the, you know, the crystals, the literal veins of golds within the earth. So vein of gold people, they have that aspect of slowness that wellspring people do as well, but they're also really connected to what I call the hidden realm. So this could be speaking to ancestors, the spirits of the land, it also often translates as really being able to see and understand sort of the hidden sides of people's psyches, what what is going on in their unconscious. So for that reason, a lot of vein of gold people do end up working in some sort of healing profession or interpersonal profession where they're sort of helping guide. I, I, I mentioned in the archetype that they're the, the shamans and the guides of the worlds. So Vein of gold people tend to be incredibly perceptive about what is going on, what is not being said. And that can sometimes be a little crazy making because they're they're perceiving something that other people aren't perceiving and that sometimes other people are even in denial about, about themselves or about the world at large. So there's a big theme here of really learning to trust that intuition and that gut knowing. So the in the Taoist understanding of sort of this realm of the the mineral and the the metal realm, it's a lot about this, yeah, this deep gut knowing that instinctual sort of somatic knowing. So it's also really important for vein of gold people to really honor 
enter their bodies and get into their bodies through some sort of embodiment practice. This is kind of essential for these folks because their bodies are such tuning forks and will pick up on so much information. So then we go one step up into what you might call like the middle world. So we were in in sort of shamanistic understanding the lower world and communing in the lower world. And now we're in this middle world plane, which, you know, think about sunny meadows and flowers growing and a standing stone. So I've had the, the honor of visiting a lot of different megaliths um, in Ireland and England and Scotland. And one of the things that struck me about visiting these standing stones is that, yes, they are very mystical, but they have this really like grounded almost practical feeling to them too. Like there is a marriage and the ancient megalithic builders understood this marriage of the mystical and the practical and how important that is. So standing stone people are the most like grounded people here on earth. They literally live in that middle plane and they help other people to ground. These are the caretakers of the earth. They're often people who are in some sort of caretaking role, whether through their job or in their family. These are also sort of the craftsmen of the earth. They know how to work with the fine details of things. Like they, they have an eye for details in a way that can really escape other archetypes. So these are the builders, the gardeners, like literally the people who are making the world go round. Most people, if we, if we sort of had a, a breakdown of the percentages of where people fall, um, the more people are standing stones than any other archetype. And I kind of knew this before I went in. And then it's been interesting with the quiz result that I can see the percentage of where people land that, again, the quiz shows the majority of people are standing stone people. And thank God for them because <laughs> they literally make, you know, they make the world go around. They, they see all the details. They make the schedules happen. They are helping everybody else to ground. So my partner is a standing stone person. He is a carpenter, which is perfectly in alignment with his archetype. And, and one of the things, you know, beyond making our life possible, which he does in so many ways, taking care of the gardens, taking care of the house, he helps ground me and my ideas. And one of the things that's been really important for him is recognizing how important integrity is. So for standing stone people, everything they do needs to be in their integrity, which sometimes means working slower than our culture is idealizes because they're here to attend to the details and have so, um, so much finesse in the things that they do. So I would say that to standing stone people, like to really stay in touch with your integrity in that, that connection with your integrity is what's going to help you really give your gifts to this earth. And you embody earth energy naturally. So you, you really know how to align yourself with that energy and help feed it here on earth. So then we go one step up into sort of the kind of the, the misty realm of, you can kind of think of that old growth tree at the, at the top of a mountain as you're going up. So is a misty, um, vaporous realm of, of this beautiful woodland. And inside that woodland is this old growth tree. And so the old growth tree archetype, as we've mentioned a bit, is the dreamer, the planner, the visionary. Old growth tree people get really strong dreams and visions, sometimes through literal dreams. Often dreaming is very important for old growth tree people. And I encourage them to really listen to their dreams, learn how to do dream work. But they get very strong dreams and visions, and they're actually here to help translate those visions here on Earth. I also call old growth tree people philosophers. They are learners. They're always learning stuff. They're kind of like a professor archetype. 
And But they're not just meant to gather the information. They're meant to actually see the connections between things, put it together, and then present it to people, bring it into the world. So just like an old growth tree, they're kind of these libraries. They can become these libraries of information and they bridge heaven and earth, just like these big old trees. They know how to reach up into the ethers and receive information from the beyond, sort of catch inspiration on the wind, but then they know how to then bring it down into the roots. And that it can be, especially earlier in life, as we talked about, a little frustrating because you want to just be that you know, up in the sky, up in the ethers. And you're like, I don't want to, you know, learn, I don't want to spend time translating this and bringing it down. But when you embrace the process and you see how fulfilling it is to actually see your visions and dreams become a reality, then it actually becomes like one of your favorite things to do to like catch a dream and manifest it here on earth. So I am an old growth tree person and I've learned a lot of about myself through embracing the planner inside of me, the strategist inside of me, and knowing that it's it's not that I'm lacking in any way, that sometimes I feel ungrounded and sometimes I feel um, very much so in the mundane details of life. It's actually what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's it's most important for me to have that balance between the two. So the, the spirit in Taoist medicine that's associated with this uh, archetype the Hun spirit is actually meant to go between heaven and earth as a literal messenger. So if you are an old growth tree person, remember that it's important for you to actually be balancing those two sides of yourself all the time. And then the last archetype all the way up, literally in the sky, beaming down from the heavens is the rainbow. So I think in our culture, we really idolize rainbows. So like everyone wants to be a rainbow. (laughs) Um, but very few people are. It's actually a, a small percentage of the population uh, that are rainbows. Rainbows are incredibly fast moving. They are all about inspiration and ideas. And, you know, really a lot of their life and life force is built around receiving inspiration from what you might call the divine source, God, you know, whatever words or imagery help you connect into this here, but they receive these flashes of inspiration and then they bring that inspiration to other people. So this is the kind of person who walks into a room and is like this really charismatic kind of inventor type, like the one who has in a group project, like the idea that gets everyone else going, but they're not actually meant to like be the person who's seeing this idea through A to Z. So if you have a rainbow person in your life, sometimes you can feel like a little frustrated because you're like, well, okay, you have this big idea and then I'm the one who has to make it a reality. Maybe you're a standing stone or an old growth tree, but that's part of the archetype of the rainbow. It's part of their blueprint. They they kind of live up in that upper realm all the time. And so they're, they're bringing these flashes of inspiration here to humanity. And it's a lot of energy sometimes that they're channeling. So it can be hard on the body at times. And so I do encourage rainbow people, they do need to learn how to ground because that's going to keep sort of their energy circuit going. But to know that, you know, if you're a rainbow person, you might've felt from a young age that you don't belong here on earth, that you belong in the stars or someone somewhere else. And that's a really common theme with rainbow people. So a big part of their journey in becoming an earth healer is to learn how to feel like they belong here and bringing their inspiration down to share here with us earthlings is part of what's really going to help that sense or feeling of belonging. So those are the five earth healing archetypes, the rainbow 
old growth tree, standing stone, vein of gold, and wellspring. And you can see just even a little bit in how I talked that they actually all work together. So it's a beautiful system that we're all a part of, and the earth needs each and every one of us, the completeness of that system to embark upon healing. Oh, I love the way you describe that and the way it all ties together. And I really enjoyed the way you shared how you and your partner are different archetypes and how that helps the two of you work together better. Do you find that people who are one archetype are attracted to another archetype? Yeah, definitely, because it's that balance. It helps balance them out. And, you know, I have dated other people who looking back, they were other archetypes, you know, rainbow archetypes or old growth trees. And I look back at those relationships and I see now that part of why they didn't work is because we were running energy that was too similar and it actually was draining. It was like the sort of the daily aspects of our life didn't really work. And so I think it's really common for people to be attracted to other archetypes because we actually do need each other in order to give our gifts as a community as a whole. So I have found, you know, being with someone who's a standing stone has like really helped my life (laughs) because I can really like not focus on the details sometimes. And like, he really helps me to do that. But then I help him sometimes like move through things a little more quickly. Like he, for example, we got um, bees the other weekend. We're going to start keeping honeybees. And he just like really was going down the rabbit hole of thinking through all the details of like, you know, where we're going to house them and what the enclosure is going to look like. And, you know, I, this happens over and over again. And then I come in and I'm just like, well, what about this and this and this and this? And sometimes it's uncomfortable for him because he's like, I've literally been thinking about this for two weeks and you've been standing up here for two minutes, you know, but then oftentimes my ideas actually do help him to see the bigger picture. And that's, you know, something standing stone people, they can really focus on the trees versus old growth tree people can see the forest. And so we help balance each other out in that way. Well, I mean, you've described the attributes of each of these archetypes perfectly, but in your description, I can see the challenges too. Like oh, for yeah. the wellspring archetype, I bet they those are people who come to you and say, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know what my purpose is. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, like the wellspring people are a really small percentage of the general population. I would say it's the smallest percentage here on earth. But because of my audience and who I speak to and who I attract, it's 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 actually not the lowest percentage in the quiz, which makes sense to me. And we've gotten more feedback from Wellspring people than any other archetype because it's been such a relief to hear this affirmation that, yeah, like you're doing enough actually just by being and, and learning how to become present here on this earth because we live in a culture where it's just... like none of that is prized. And I think a lot of the challenges, some of them are innate challenges of just running particular types of energy, but a lot of the challenges come from the culture that we live in, where there's certain ways of being or personalities that are, you know, really enshrined and kind of everybody else is told, well, you need to fit this mold. So, you know, and I think in other contexts, maybe in other cultures or in, in a more traditional context, you know, wellspring people would have been, you know, accepted for being kind of the the sitting Buddhas of the world, for bringing that energy. They would have been seen and recognized in that way. But, you know, in this day and age, it's often hard for them to feel recognized. So 
yeah, that's one example, but there's absolutely challenges <laughs> with each archetype. And the cool thing is, though, that these challenges aren't new to us. We know these challenges. We've been living these challenges. And when you hear these challenges spoken to, like in the, the classes that I teach with each archetype, it's kind of this light bulb moment where you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. And the challenge is really just pointing you towards the gift. So when we learn how to work with the challenge, we can get closer to the gift. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and just accept ourselves and everyone else around us where we are as we are. You know, I just read this article over the weekend called uh, Hurry Up Sickness. And it was about how as a culture, we are applauded when we're on the go and running and rushing and achieving and doing. And how really that's one of the worst things we can do for our mental and physical well-being. And listening to some of these archetypes, I think that could be a challenge for many of them, especially the, the wellspring. But the vein of gold, if they're the cave dwellers, I wonder if they feel challenged to come out of their cave sometimes. Yeah, well, for sure. And especially because there's a, there is an aspect of extrasensory perception that can go on with vein of gold people. And like I said, we, you know, when you're seeing things other people don't see, when you're seeing the hidden side of life, I mean, often that is just like completely not welcome <laughs> in a space, you know, like this is why often they do end up going into, into professions, like for example, as therapists, where they're actually getting paid to give their insights. And one thing that can happen is for vein of gold people, they're kind of seeing the dynamics of what's going on in a given situation. And if they hop in with their input and perception and people are not ready for that, or they haven't asked for that feedback, I mean, it can backfire. And I have definitely seen that with vein of gold people, like they're so perceptive, but they, they actually kind of need people to come towards them and ask for their input. Otherwise, sometimes it can be too overwhelming or too scary. For example, if you're, you know, someone who, you know, speaks with guides in non-physical form and you're seeing someone's guides around them and you're a vein of gold person, you might, you know, really want to share that with them. But if they're not ready for that, I mean, it, you know you know, <laughs> it cannot go that well. So yeah, I think there's, there's, um, there's big struggles within each archetype, but it's, it is a, a beautiful thing because it is showing us where our gifts are, but it's also showing us what kind of cultural stories we need to rewrite to create together a culture that honors all of our gifts. You know, that is so true. I always try to be cheerful and upbeat and positive and even when I'm not feeling it, because I just feel like eventually I'll get there if I, you know, act cheerful. And I'll call Denise sometimes and I'll be like, hi, Denise, how are you doing? Everything going? Yeah, everything. And then she'll go, what's wrong, Samantha? <laughs> and I'm like, Denise, how do you know? <laughs> but you vein of gold, Denise, you always know. Well, yeah. It, the, yeah and again, you're just your description right then. It is. It's an interesting archetype, but great for a medium and a shaman or having those shamanic abilities or, or interests. One of the things, thank you for sharing that. One of the things that um, you bring up a lot in your work is that we're all here to co-create with the earth as a human species. We're here to, to A, help with the healing, but also work as co-creators. And I love that because one of the things I think about a lot is anything we can do to raise our vibration and help someone else raise theirs is going to help heal all of us as a collective. 
So could you chat about that for a second, about the co-creating? Yeah, you know, if we look at any species on Earth, we can see how they're fitting into a niche, into the ecology, and they're just by being who they are, they're naturally bringing healing to that place. So for example, you know, willows grow in boggy places and they grow in places where, you know, there's storms that can come through. So they they actually ground the earth, they grow into these banks along rivers and they hold the banks together and they provide a shelter break so that when these storms come through, they don't tear up the vegetation. So that's just one one example and in countless examples here on earth and humans are no different. We are species that evolved here on this planet. And so we are here to be a part of that co-creation. We have a role to fulfill. And I think part of the human journey is understanding that role. But I believe that part of what that role actually is, is because we have the ability to be aware and self-conscious, which is a gift and a curse, <laughs> but we, because we have this ability to be aware, we have this ability to be in gratitude and celebration. We can bless the earth through recognizing all the gifts we've been given and through using our skills of like listening and creating to listen to the earth and ask what needs to happen in an ecosystem? How can we be a part of helping this ecosystem to heal? I mean, humans have a, a big gift in that way. And if you look at a lot of different indigenous cultures around the world, the natural way in which they interact with the landscape that they've learned across millennia ends up creating more diversity. It ends up creating more healthy systems. So this whole idea that humans just destroy the planet because that's naturally who we are, I think is really short-sighted and, and incorrect. And the our culture is what helps us become these co-creators. And when the culture is not really in alignment with the truth of who we are or the earth, that's where we get into trouble. And so this podcast that we're on right now, this offering that you all are giving to the world is part of shifting culture, which is really the work that we're doing right now to come back into the co-creation. This is how we sort of reclaim that space is shifting the culture, starting inside of ourselves and then rippling out. So I think it's important for us to remember this, that we are part of the co-creation, that we are here to be listening to and working with the trees and the creeks and the stones, and that we have this amazing ability to hear them and use our agency and our talents to then help out in, in creating greater balance and creating more harmony and diversity. But you're right. It all starts within so I have a question for you. I feel like because I love crystals, I tend to see the world through that light. So like, for example, I have a friend who's just always cheery and loving and bright. And so she's my rose quartz friend. And I have another friend and I have another friend who's just very, very grounding. She would probably be a standing stone, but to me, she's my obsidian friend. Do you look at your people in your life through that? Like, would you call a friend your oak or your willow? You know, I've never thought about it like that, but probably subconsciously I am thinking about that. I mean, you know, I'm always thinking about the archetypes now. That's, that is for sure. Um, but, you know, when we start developing relationships, for example, with stones and with plants, like, yeah, people start standing out to you as sort of that type of person. You start seeing those 
connections because you're developing those relationships. And I think that that's so beautiful. And, and that is a, a, I think a, a natural way that the human mind works. You know, I think it's really normal looking across cultures that different clans would be associated with different animals that people would be named for different plants or different animals. And where we are meant to, as human beings, see ourselves in relation to the natural world. So I think when we start applying that lens to our friends, like, oh, this is my rose quartz friend, or this is my oak friend, it's a beautiful indicator that you've really developed like deep relationships horizontally with the world and that you're starting to make those connections. Yeah, I think so too. And just recognizing people for, you know, who they are and and honoring them for the gifts that they are sharing with all of us. I, I, that connection is what I keep hearing from you through all of this, which which I think is such a center point of this show and of the work you're doing. Brings up another short little point is just you would never compare a piece of rose quartz to an oak. So why would one person ever compare themselves to another? You know, and I think that helps yeah. with that with that too, to when we can see that in ourselves, we're like, that would be so silly. Like one tree would never compare themselves to another tree. They're perfect the way they are. And so it helps us come home to that understanding within ourselves. But I think it's hard for some people to do that. I just had this deep, long discussion with a friend last night on the phone who's also introverted like me. And we have this very extroverted friend who's trying to get us to come along on this like girls weekend trip. That really sounds like the ninth circle of hell to me. You know, <laughs> it's like action packed and lots of drinking and partying and lots of go, go, go. And, you know, I need a lot of time to decompress and all of that. And so, anyway, we were saying, like, we love this friend so much, but we were saying, why can't she accept us, you know, for the introverts that we are? And I think it's so hard often for extroverted people who, who would be the extroverted people in these five archetypes? Or is that too narrow? I don't think it's too narrow. I definitely, I mean, you know, empaths, extroverts, introverts can traverse, but definitely rainbows can be more extroverted because they're so charismatic. <laughs> People are naturally drawn to them. Um, old growth trees can be extroverts, not always, but I think it's you know, it, it can be part of their blueprint, standing stones. I think my experience of vein of gold and wellspring people is that they, they definitely tend to be more on the introverted side. You know, you might like everything you get outliers. Um, but you know, it's not, nothing is, um, nothing is set in stone with any of these archetypes. And I was thinking about it before we got on the call of like, you know, who's the sensitive or the empathic archetype. And I'm like, all of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think it really does depend, but it, it I think certain proclivities in the archetypes can help us tap more into our extroverted side. Like I know for you, Samantha, and I can feel for myself too, I, I identify as an introvert as well. And yet we can tap into our extroverted side and, you know, for example, definitely do the podcast or be on stage and give a talk. Um, but inside we're like, I am such an introvert. <laughs> Yeah, I when we did a show on um, called Are You an Ambivert, which is where you have extroverted and introverted qualities. And I really resonated with that because if I'm in a situation where I'm comfortable, I'm a total extrovert. Yeah. But if I'm in a situation that's foreign to me or I'm not very comfortable with, I revert to introvert completely. And I just need a lot of downtime to myself. I need a lot of solitude more so than the average person. So I think it's just important for people to recognize these archetypes and then just accept 
the people in their lives, you know, where they are. And I, I, I just find some people really struggle with that. So I think not only is it important to take this quiz for yourself, but to share it with friends and then really listen to their results and, and start to see everyone you love and care for through these through this lens. Yeah, it really helps. And and I've heard that feedback from folks too, that they've sent it to their family. And then based on the results that they get, they're like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like I can really understand now more how to relate to you, how to understand the way you operate in the world. That yeah, that compassion and understanding is so essential and understanding our archetypes can really help. So for anyone listening to this show who might have missed the first time you were on Enlightened Empaths, where you talked about really working with earth healing energies and gardening, and they're listening to this and thinking, gosh, that Asia lady sounds so cool. I want to learn more. What are some beginner offerings on One Willow Apothecaries that they would be attracted to for newbies? Yeah. So I have a suite of sort of one-off introductory classes. And so they're under online classes, under um, single classes, and really any of those are good starting off points. Um, If you're interested, some are about herbs, some are about stones. Um, I have like a one called How Stones Communicate, which is really just about developing a relationship with stones and learning some about Taoist stone medicine. But any of those offerings are really great introductions. I also uh, have a a free course called Opening Earth Intuition that's running right now. So that is another thing that folks could tune into. And and that is a really gentle, it's like a gentle four-part class that's an introduction to opening your intuition as a conduit to communicate with the earth. So those are all great places to start. And I, I do also have a, a YouTube channel and, and my videos are on the blog. So, you know, all of those are free and people can tune into that and sort of figure out where their interests lie or, or where they'd want to get started. Now, do you pair up like flower essences that match with these archetypes? I haven't, but that's, that is a really good idea. And I, there's definitely things that would come to mind um, for each one. And we do, I do have flower essences on the website because I just love them so much. Um, We sell those through the site, but um, yeah, I mean, I I could pair them up in this moment if you wanted me to. No, I was just wondering, like, what would be a great flower essence for an empath who's feeling really ungrounded right now and like... Mm just overwhelmed by the energies going on around us. Yeah. So one thing that I have on the website that, you know, is also part of the Bach compendium is Star of Bethlehem. And Star of Bethlehem flower essence is about coming back to yourself after shock and reorienting and getting back into your body. And when you have a sensitive nervous system, a lot of things can shock you. A lot of things can sort of bring you out of yourself. And this past year, no matter what you've been through this past year, it has been a shock to all of our systems. It's, you know, everybody's life changed, period. And so I'm, I'm recommending Star of Bethlehem to people sort of left and right right now, because I think we're kind of in a process where things are starting to open up again. And we're like, is life gonna go back to normal, what's going on, where we're kind of reckoning a little bit with everything that we've been through in this past year of the pandemic. And Star of Bethlehem can really help sort of settle the auric body when you feel like you're kind of like 
vibrating outside of yourself. It can help you really come back into embodiment and feel safe again to you know start moving through the world. Oh, that sounds perfect. Yeah, I think a lot of us kind of just went along and went through this pandemic. And now that things are kind of opening, I almost feel like now is when I'm processing the shock of the year. Yeah. Me you too. know, like in the in the rearview mirror, it's like I'm very tired lately. And so I'm I'm gonna have to get some Star of Bethlehem. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this is just how trauma works, you know, is that in the middle of it, you're just trying to get through. And then on the other side, that's when you're like, okay, now I can start processing <laughs> this thing that I just had to, you know, kind of grin and bear it and get through it. Now, now our spirits are kind of catching up. Well, I want to talk about the book, but Denise, do you have any questions you want to ask before I get to that? Oh, I would just like to add about your intuitive plant medicine program. I have some dear friends who have experienced that with you and speak so, so highly about what they gained on a personal level, but also their connection with plants and nature. Mm. So uh, I just wanted to put a little plug in for that because it's made the world a difference to, to so many people. Thank you, Denise. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. That, that course is, it, it's, it's both, an introductory course and it goes really deep. So it will, if, if you're new to this, but you like really want to go deep into this experience of speaking to the living world and understanding the natural medicine that you carry. I mean, I, you know, it's my, it's that class is my baby, you know, it's, it's a, it's a large program. Um, so, you know, financially it's, it's more of a commitment to the other ones, but um, there's so much support in it. There's so much material and yeah, it's just been really a joy to run. This is its fifth year. So um, it's, it's, it's exciting. Now we we're running, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but we're currently running a sale on it. And um, so we're getting a lot of more new people on the course. And I just love seeing people start to discover this inside of themselves because that's what the course is about. It's the fact that we are all plant people. <laughs> um, it's just learning to remember that and, and claim that and know that the plants are absolutely speaking to you uh, right now. And they, they want to work with you and you don't have to get any fancy degree or change your career or anything like that in order to be a plant medicine person. You know, you and I um, were in what should we call it? A, a writing partnership, a writing club. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And we shared our writing back and forth with each other, which was such a gift for me, Asia. And it was, it was just really life transforming. And I, I'm so grateful that you were in my life for that. But as I got to read parts of your book that's coming out, I just want you to know how much it has stayed with me. I mean, just this past weekend, I went out to my little herb garden, which just exploded over this warmth we've had in the past couple of weeks. And so I had to trim back all my parsley and basil and cut down the rosemary. And I felt, I always feel bad doing that. Like I, I know it sounds stupid, but I feel like the plants are watching going, well, look at her coming out here with the scissors again. And, and I thought about, you have a whole chapter in the book about how you have to sometimes trim and pare back on your own life to encourage growth inside of you. Yeah. And it just, I just want you to know that so many parts of your book they just still stay with me. So can you just tell people a little bit about what this book is and what they can expect to read? Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean, it was such a, such a gift to have you as a writing partner and you transformed the book. You really did. Um, yeah. Some of the feedback you gave me, it absolutely 
took the book to this next level where I didn't even know it could go. And so thank you so much thank for you. all of your feedback and um, gosh, yeah, reading. I, I still want to re read the last chapters of your book. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm here whenever you want to send them. Um, but yeah, so the, the book is based on this thesis that self-compassion is a force of ecological healing. So in the book, each chapter looks at a specific aspect of a plant or an ecology and to see how the way in which it grows or how it grows is really a metaphor that helps us to understand ourselves and specifically how natural our journey is, how normal we are, how, you know, how innate our goodness truly is. You know, the the message that came comes through all the time for me with the earth and that I'm always trying to translate in my work is that the earth really does want us to see our goodness because it's through seeing our goodness that we can access the gifts that we're meant to bring to this world. Self-compassion is, is really necessary for understanding the depths of those gifts and feeling confident to step forward and give them. So each chapter is like a kind of like a love letter from the natural world that is showing you just how natural and beloved you are and your journey is. And it's written specifically for sensitives and empaths. And the, it, the book kind of takes you on a journey so that by the time you get to the last chapter, um, through these sort of series of illustrative stories, you're in this place where you're you're really understanding that you are really valuable and really special and really cared for by this world and that what you have to give is essential. Yeah. And it, there's a pacing to your writing and a beauty and a poetic tone as well that helped me slow down in my own life as I was reading it. Like you have a whole section on when you would just go to the, the creek or the stream and the, the mica would shine forth and how we all have like mica within us that's shining forth. And it just me. I always think about you, Asia, and I think like, gosh, you know, what would she see when she sees this scene, or what would she look at? And so I just wonder, how have you been practicing self care during this pandemic? Like, what does that look like in Asia's world? Yeah. So the pandemic definitely changed a lot of my plans and the trajectory of my year, and that was definitely tough. And so one of the things that I did is I really made sure that I had time to spend outside. You know, it's like nature really does heal all wounds. Like you, for example, we had a landslide here last year and it was like, you know, just to see this whole hillside collapsed in, it's like devastating. And then like within a couple of weeks, all these greens sprout up and, you know, these little saplings start to come in over the course of the year. And you see just nature can heal literally anything. And so I really, I take that as my medicine basically and try to make sure I get out into nature every day. And even if that is just, you know, going for a walk down the street, just getting outside and seeing the trees or laying in the grass. So I try to make it a practice of getting outside every day for at least an hour and like letting that healing happen. And I, so that's been part of my self-care and also just really being gentle with myself and letting go of timelines. I mean, this has been like one gigantic teacher this past year in terms of letting go of timelines, especially for us planners. I mean, oof, like it all went out the window pretty much. And 
so being gentle with the part of me that really isn't okay with that, like the part of me that was like really upset and scared and worried about all these timelines going out the window and kind of just holding space for her through recognizing her and, and knowing that I see her and that, you know, we're going to, we're going to do something else to, you know, kind of be a bomb for that wound. Like, okay, well, we can't whatever teach that class or, um, you know, go to that place anymore, but, you know, you can go outside right now and, you know, pick some flowers to bring inside. So just like little kind of little goals or little plans that can soothe the part of me that felt really dysregulated and, um, yeah, just out of sorts from this whole year of having all the the plans and the, the calendars disappear. So I think those were like the two things that I, really focused on the most. And then one thing that's not nearly very exciting sounding, but has actually really helped me a lot has been exercising. I was not like at the beginning of the pandemic, like forget it, that was not going to happen. But then for this, this new year, I decided, okay, I'm going to do like half an hour of exercise, you know, like strength training or cardio or something five days a week. And it is amazing how much it really helps you clear your mind, feel better in your body and your system. And I can, I can tend towards entropy a bit in my life. So having that, it it gave me a goal. It gave me something I had on the schedule to plan. And it also then like has boosted my mood so much to feel like, okay, well maybe I can't like leave my house right now, but I can do this thing that really just helps improve my well being on so many levels. It really does. You know, I, I tripped and fell off a stool and I really jammed up my calf muscle. So I haven't been able to exercise this week. And it, it feel, I'm not like a super cardio extra. I just like to go for walks and do yoga, but I haven't been able to do that. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sit outside and be one with nature. And hopefully that will refuel me as much as, you know, a vigorous walk. So I'm just sitting outside, laying on the grass and looking at the clouds passing over. And I'm like, isn't this lovely? And this bug lands on my hand. And I was like, oh, welcome, little bug. You can take some rest on my hand. And I was feeling super pleased with myself. Like, look how spiritual and one I am. And the bug reached down and bit the hell out of me. Oh, oh my God. I'm looking at this like nasty scratch I have on my hand. And I was like, okay. So yes. <laughs> I miss moving through nature. Sitting with nature didn't work so well. <laughs> but you're right. Exercise and getting outside are so, so important. So when can people expect to see the book? So right now the book is coming out summer 2022. So it'll be a year from now. But um, yeah, everything got pushed back with all the you know pandemic delay. But I'm I'm super excited about it. And yeah, I just am so grateful to you, Samantha, for all your help with the book. And I just, yeah, it's such a delight to be able to share this with the world, something I've been working on for years. Oh, it's going to be life-changing for so many people. And we'll have you back hopefully many times before the book comes out, but definitely when the book comes out. I would love that so much. So what we'll do, Denise, we'll link up the one Willow Apothecaries with the Earth Healing Archetype quiz um, in the show notes and on our Facebook page so everyone listening can find it. But just know you can always go to onewillowapothecaries.com and find the quiz and all of her course offerings and flower essences. There's a whole online shop. So we really hope you check it out because Asia is doing some 
really groundbreaking, amazing, and healing work. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Oh, well, thank you so much both for having me. This has just been so much fun and I appreciate the two of you and everything, all the light you're pouring into this world. It's really magnificent and it's an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Please remember as always to show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.